The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley, an in-depth look at the four pillars of sustainable success. Hello and welcome to Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast. It's hosted by Don Hadley of Applied Vision Works. Don, in the last podcast, you spoke to Jody Phillips about values for self-reliance. The theme of this one, smart growth. Let's dive into that. Who's your special guest today and and what do you want to get out of this podcast here? Yeah, our special guest today is Monty Perry of Oxano. And one reason we've got him on, we've known each other now, I think, for about six months. Mm -hmm. And in the course of knowing him, I've watched him work with a company in Raleigh. And Oxano, I believe, actually means uh, growth, correct? In Greek, yes. In Greek, cool. I was thinking Latin, but uh, (laughs) Greek sounds more sophisticated than me. And the way I think of you is you're really the fresh eyes specialist for smart growth. In the discussions we've had, it's not just about growing, but it's about doing it in a smart way. Why smart? Why, why is that part of this? And I, some people have grown a business and some haven't. I, I've got a different now than I used to have 35 years ago. Sure. Like it used to excite me. Now it actually scares me. But right. I'd like your view of it. Um, well, you know, right, there's what are the, the three types of growth. There's uh, what we're talking about today, smart growth. There's growth, and then there's stupid growth. You know, lots of folks can stumble their way into growth. There's lots of business out there to get. We're in a, Particularly if you're in North Carolina, you're in a hot market. It's a growth market, so you're going to be, typically at least, you should be on track a little faster than the national average for growth, right? But smart growth, basically, you know, are you, are you focused around where your growth is going to come from, right? That kind of gets you over to your your standard growth is we take business from wherever we can get it. Some of it's profitable, some of it's not. There's stupid growth, which is maybe to the extreme of that, which is we'll take it from anywhere and we don't really track our numbers and we don't really know which of our customer sets or industry types are profitable to us or not, but we're out here taking business we and we're growing. We don't care if it's profit or not, but we're bigger. We Absolutely. Must be great. Absolutely, right? So for me, smart growth is, is based on a few things, uh, focused, do you have an industry set or a customer type, a customer profile that you're focused around pursuit of? Is it within your management capacity? You know, do you have what it takes? Do you have the management chops really to take you from a smaller business to a mid-sized business to a larger business? A million dollar business is not the same as a 10 million. A 10 million isn't the same as 30. 30 certainly isn't the same as a hundred. So let me stop you there for just a second because that sure. brings up one of the reasons why when I hear about a company's going to grow, I'm not so excited anymore. And that is really the management capacity capability because what I find is some people have a growth mindset some don't Mm. as you mentioned three different types of growth mindsets but the people part of that is the stuff I I see people just get chewed up and spit out many times when a company grows Mm. for a lot of reasons so maybe you could speak to that a bit what do you see there what are some of the what's going on well you know I mean I'm no soothsayer but having seen uh, enough businesses and been around and, and visited with lots of friends you know for the last five, six years, I see maybe across two days, 20 to 25 CEOs every month. And, you know, for me, what I find, or at least what I've come to believe is that some people, that there is a, you start a business as an entrepreneur, and some folks, uh, or lots of folks, in fact, maybe the primary way a lot of businesses get started are by people who are technicians, right? Whatever field they're in, they're technical and they, they come from that angle. And then they learn or develop some potential for management, but they don't necessarily start there. And then I think sometimes as a business grows and, and for companies that have the good fortune to do it, they don't always do the 
not everyone can develop necessarily that management potential. Not everyone wants to. So in between those two dynamics, I think a, a business has to learn about itself. Do I really want to do I really want to grow and who do I want to grow with and do the folks around me have the chops really to do it? I mean And so when you have a management sure capabilities, one is the chops, the willingness to take the risk. Sure. To go through the pain of change. Mm-hmm. What else does that involve? Because you know, I hear a lot about management, leadership. Are you really talking about leadership? Is it management? What What specifically is it? Mm, great point. I think it's a combination of those things, but sometimes just the it's the willingness to set out a plan. Right. Okay. Some growth can happen. You, you've seen it. We've all seen it. Companies that that can grow, but there's not a defined plan. Right. And and growth isn't always prescripted per se. Right. Lots of companies grow without that, but. Having the willingness to sit down and say, what do we want to be in five years? And it's not just about setting goals. you got to have more than goals. Anybody can set goals. Okay, well, we've got these big goals. We see the vision for what the company, what we want it to be. But, okay, now walking back five years, three years, what are the steps we have to take along the way to get there? So at three-year point, at one-year point, three-month point, one-month point. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are the dailies and and who do we have to have around us that can manage that sort of thing? If it's not me, if it's not you, right, we're on the management team. Do we we know who we can touch or bring in that has that, that quality? Maybe I'm an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm very technical. Maybe I'm not so managerial and I need to bring that on, you know, or any mixture of. But I think making sure that you have the right people, particularly that want to build out a plan, is super important. And not everybody, you know, if you've not done that sort of planning before, sometimes it doesn't get done because it's too much of a challenge to do. If you don't like calculus, you really don't want to sit down at the calculus book and do it. So bring in someone who does that can be a part of that. The last podcast we did was interesting because there were a couple examples given of people that had gone from a technical and engineering background, civil engineering background, mm. to a point where they really became people engineers that began mm-hmm. to understand the psychology of it. Sure. So it sounds like you do need a plan, but there's also the psychology of it, and there's got to be the desire and either the actual ability to do it or the confidence and desire to become good at it over time. Otherwise, you've got to bring in from the outside. Right, sure. And I think folks that do what you do that, that come in and help develop culture is going to be a piece of it. I mean, you can want to grow, but does your culture really accept and adopt a growth mindset? A- along with that culture piece, does your culture accept the change that might come with growth? Wasn't there a uh, some sort of a quote about strategy getting eaten for breakfast or something? Absolutely. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Strategy is, is insanely important, but policies and processes can take you so far. People are really what turn the dial, for sure. So it sounds like it's insanely important to have the strategy tied into culture development and marry the two together in a way that it's a wonderful relationship. No question. So, you know, we started the broadcast and you know, I mentioned that you're kind of the fresh eyes specialist. And hmm. I know you've got some unique experience in your life kind of coming in as a CEO to an organization where you're CEO, but you're new at the company. There's all these people with 15, 20 years experience. Tell me a little bit about this fresh eyes concept, because I think that's an interesting Yeah, I mean, I think individuals are unique in that they can be in a business for many years and you get, for all of us, right, your vision gets a little myopic around what you focus on. And it's often difficult to put a new look 
on how can we get better if you've been doing the same thing for lots of years. I, I certainly don't think that it's exclusive to those with fresh perspective. I think you can be in a business for 15 or 20 years. And if you have that really unique ability to see things differently constantly, then I think you you can get there. I just think that it's, it's a very, very rare thing. I mean, that's why you see, particularly at Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 levels, why you see executive teams turn over so often. It's not just Wall Street. Sure, that's part of it. The other part of it is those folks have figured out that that fresh perspective within management helps you get better. I mean, it just does. It's why a losing football team can go get a new head football coach and and new assistants and they turn the program around. That perspective can be valuable. I'm not saying we have to leave our business to do it. I just do believe that bringing in fresh perspective and a new way of looking at things can be a, a real driver to growth. And I think it's a smart way to go about it. You can try to do the old things you've done for forever and they may lead to some success, but you might get caught up in some things you don't. And using you for an example, sure, I might I might think that the culture within my business is matches to what I, my ideal is when I lie down at night and I think, okay. okay, here's what I think I want for my business or here's what my culture within my company is. But sometimes bringing in Don, someone like you as a for example, to, who's a culture expert to say, Don, here's what I want my culture in my company to be. Okay. Is that what it really is? Help me figure this out. And then if it's not, how do we marry those two things up. Give me some ideas, get me going. I I just think those sorts of things are important, particularly if you've been in a business or an industry for a number of years. All of us are prone to kind of getting locked in. You mentioned earlier entrepreneurs starting a business and a lot of times they're technicians. And I find what's interesting, sometimes people that have been in an organization a long time, they develop an instinct. X event occurs, I'll take Y action. Z event occurs, I'll take C action, whatever it may be. And we get called sometimes saying, hey, we need to think more clearly. And so we'll literally come into an organization and try and teach teams of people to, a lot of times when they brainstorm is the idea comes up, shot down. Idea, shot down. Idea, shot down. They don't break the brainstorm out separate from mm-hmm. actually trying to piece together a lot of little answers that could be a very powerful, unique perspective. Sure. Or they come up with a great answer and they don't necessarily get buy-in from the culture or people impacted by it. So those ideas are kind of dead on arrival, even if they're the best ideas possible. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's about teaching people to fight. One of the guys mm-hmm. in our organization, Craig, he and I have learned to have just these wonderful fights. And what's so fun about the fights is we both walk away with two things occurring. Ultimately, we have a very different perspective, but that perspective has two components. One is our relationship is better. We more understand the perspectives and how we see things. But the second thing is we're confident we can get a better result. Now, by the way, the result might be worse temporarily, Sure. but we've investigated another course of action and we've got plan B. CDE back behind that that kind of go at it. And my experience with growth has been those cycles have to occur relatively quickly. If you you know, if you're not growing, you can do it slower. Is sure. that kind of your sense? You see it same way, different? No, I think that that's largely true. I mean, I, I, there are some organizations where you have, obviously, leadership that are bright minds and have great ideas. You have some uh, where they may have that, but they're kind of locked into what they've been doing. You have others in the organization that don't do what you and Craig do. Executive management really isn't open, or at least the, the staff doesn't think they're open to ideas. And so great ideas get missed Yeah. because they don't do what you guys do. They don't challenge each other uh, with that kind of dialogue. And I think for me, I think once you have created an environment where that can happen or 
for what you guys do in particular, if you create real plans for that to happen, you find out that maybe the guy that sits over in accounting who just does his job and goes home every day, he had wanted to be listened to. Somebody finally is, and you realize that dude's super bright. He's got some great ideas that make us better that you miss otherwise, right? So I do think that the transparency piece, and it has to go both ways. Sometimes you got to have tough conversations. That's right. I mean, hey, boss, uh, I think you're missing something. Okay, great. I'll take that on. Let's do it. And sometimes it's, hey, staff member, you're at about 70% of production. Pick it up and let's go. I mean, having, I think, genuine conversation, and there's this whole thing about millennials. I don't care what age you are. I think everybody wants genuine feedback. And as long as you get that going both ways with respect and noting that positionally some things do matter, I think your organization gets a ton better for sure. So some of the recipe you were laying out, there needed to be a lot of focus, clear customer profile, management capacity, a clear plan. Mm -hmm. What else? When you go in and look at a business and assess its capabilities for growth, where it's got the capacity to do it and able and maybe some things that won't be able. What are some other things that are part of that recipe? Or what are some things you find missing a lot of times? Well, I think, you know, the numbers are are important. Uh, So to maybe, I'm not sure how much of your audience are hip hop fans, but to use a hip hop reference, Wu-Tang says, cash rules everything around me cream. Uh, So (laughs) in that case, I think every company's got to manage the cash. And I don't think every company does. I think, you know, they they see it from time to time. They'll take a look. They know when they're out of money and, you know, payroll, they're close to making payroll or not or what have you. They're leaning on the bank. But I think sincerely having a handle on your cream, on your cash is, is crazy important. And I think it gives you confidence. It's like a golfer. You know, if you can make if you can make great putts uh-huh. and you got a great short game, it gives you lots of confidence standing on the tee, even if you're a little wayward off the tee. It's the same way I, I feel with cash. And I think, again, with lots of CEOs I've met with over the years, lots of guys and gals out there that don't really have someone in the organization who can keep a keen eye on cash and how to forecast where it's going. And I think that creates a little friction as it relates to growth and it creates a tendency to to put on the brakes. Having said that, the brakes may need to be on. And there are some companies that have it on because they've done such a great job with managing cash, right? I mean, hey, we want to grow at 25%. Well, that's all well and good, but what if you can't afford to right now, right? And your, your, your growth cap is maybe 12 or 13. Well, then go get 12 or 13. And if the ability to grow at 25 is out there, but you don't have the cash cash for it, tap the brakes a bit, but managing that cash is going to be a big piece in helping you determine where that should be. Tying together some things you just said, I, when there's growth, a lot of times people say, oh, we're getting bigger, we've got a lot of growth, and it masks a lot of problems. So I think the antidote to that is some of the dialogue, the openness of communication you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I found it interesting, there was an HVAC company that we've been working with for years, and they were growing and doing a great job, and they were reporting to the troops kind of Here's where we're failing. Here's where we're succeeding. We need your help here. By the way, great job there. Mm-hmm. And in one of the meetings, you know, one of the owners kind of let loose the the financial data that, by the way, we don't have any debt. And it was kind of one of these offhand comments. Sure. And all of a sudden, there was like this, oh, my gosh, we have no debt. I'm going to go home and tell my wife about that. That's great. And what was interesting is over the next probably six to eight weeks, how many employees were telling each other, gee, we didn't realize 
We didn't have any debt. They're going telling their family. They felt like their job was safer. And I find sometimes employees feel good knowing that there's stability here at this company. So sometimes some of the facts, issues that we know as owners of companies and advising companies, stuff I like this ought to get shared because it does make them feel better. It's, mm-hmm. it's safety. Or if there's an element of risk, I think it's part of a good relationship, business or personal, just say, hey, by the way, here's a concern. Here's some risk we're taking on. By the way, here's what we're doing to mitigate it. And sometimes that communication doesn't necessarily occur all the time. No, I agree. I mean, I'm working with uh, two companies at the moment, both that are growing really, really well right now. Uh, they're both kind of in a in an up cycle. And for both of those organizations, they've managed cash well enough over the years that neither of them have any debt. And uh, to your point, I think, you know, if you don't have that, depending on to what degree you want to be open with your books and your financials to others in the organization, but having your team know that, to your point, I mean, listen, we all have debt, right? We, we know what it's like when a house payment, a car payment or whatever, when they can say I'm working for a business that has none, that's, I, I do think that's important. Confidence, uh, even going home to your point and telling my wife, hey, honey, you know, the company I'm working for, they're going to be around. They don't have any debt. Hooray. I think that is important. Now, sure. let me flip-flop a little bit on you. Sure. As a, as a CEO, sure. are there times you do want debt? Yeah, of course. I mean, the reality of it is uh, debt can be useful. I mean, we can access growth that, that maybe we couldn't have otherwise, right? It's just like investing. I mean, you have some amount of cash, you invest part of it, and yet you still have a house mortgage, at least for most of us, not everyone. But debt can be, can be useful, and it's certainly true for businesses. And depending on, again, going back to the, the cash comment, whatever your operating cash cycles are, whether that's, a, you know, you need it short term or what have you, short-term debt and even longer-term debt can be, sure, it can be positive because it helps you put cash to use in other places. It helps you make investments in other areas. I think so long as, again, someone's doing a really good job of tracking the numbers and making sure that we're healthy along the way. So does um, the word umbrellas mean anything to you at this point? Umbrellas? Yeah. Not at the moment. Umbrellas, bank? Well, okay. So bank, the bank industry, right? I mean, for me, I'm a fan of have more than one friend, right? And it's okay to have some coverage, using an umbrella term, for finance. But I think for any business, how do you grow and what, uh, in terms of smart growth at least, how do you manage that cash and where do you put it and what what lending are you willing to take on? That's the big thing is, is trying to discern what that should be. And sometimes it looks like just like our personal finance Sure, we can go have the $130,000 Mercedes, but is it what we need at the moment for our family? Hey, and if it is, great for you. But from an overall finance and cash standpoint, you do have to have some protection and some coverage, and banks can provide you that. That's that's good for a short term. The reason term. I brought up umbrellas, you want to make sure you've got the umbrella before it rains. Sure. Because sometimes once it's raining, you can't get the borrowing power. Agreed. So ahead of time, front run kind of some of that. No, no question. Useful. Set those lines of credit and what have you. Do it now and, and have it ready for you. I find that banks, as again, as I started, have more than one friend with banking. Without saying too much about my past, I found that banks will run with the first drop of rain. So the uh, umbrella <laughs> usage is probably a good analogy. So one of the things before the podcast, I heard you talking to somebody about was, you know, looking over the next six years. So I mean, kind of, and I'm asking this because you've had experience growing businesses, but also in selling them off. So, you know, you may, it sounded like there were some opportunities as you're looking out perhaps the next four or five, six years. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're going to grow a business, is a lot of times I see people aren't sure if they want to sell them or not, mm. but prepping a business for sale, growth can be part of that. So just kind of maybe bringing that together with what we've talked about, what you mentioned before the podcast. Yeah, sure. So I do think that growth should be a part of your plan if you have a three to five to seven year exit. Listen, all of us want our business to grow. But if, if you've gotten to the point in your business where you say, in five years, I'd like to sail on down the road. But you better be really focused those last several years on growth because the value of that business will grow if you have a a steady growth over especially that last window private equity in today's world there's lots of it out there lots of folks it's a it's a great market to sell a business and so those buyers today are looking for businesses that can show a trending growth line and they're going to want to see a three to five year growth trend and i think if you can show that and for all of us who want to grow a business and sell it and, and max its value you kind of have to get head down focused on on that sort of thing in that window and so i think that's super important i think in today's market in particular because the market is so good for it i think lots of companies should be considering that as a potential exit it's great to have a business that you, you can that you enjoy you don't need an alarm you, you pop up every day at 5 30 because you're excited about what you do and it, you've been doing it 20 years and that's great but no one needs to die at their desk either and in today's world and in today's market with values being what they are it's something that you should consider and, and that doesn't mean that you're 65 you can be 45, but wherever your business is, 35. Uh, you, you should be considering a three to five year, seven year exit. If it's if your business is at that point, you know, you've had it for some time, it's mature. But if you're considering that, you can't wait until six months ahead of time to prepare your business for sale. If you did, you lost probably a considerable amount of money. I see a lot of, we actually had several clients sell their businesses in the last year or so. And I think as part of that, you know, you're bringing up a very critical issue, which is you can't just walk out and just sell it. It, it takes time. You need to gently begin to approach it for a whole lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. I also think as part of it, sometimes people think that they're selling the financials to somebody. And while you need that three to five years, there's also the best way to maximize price and to protect your people. I, I find a lot of people that sell particularly private business, they want their people to be okay. It doesn't sure. mean permanently protected, right. but you've got to prove, hey, we've got the people that built this three to five year history. They still interested in the business. We've got the processes, systems. So it's not just showing great financials, it's showing the capacity and ability is still there to continue to grow. It's sustainable. We're there. Sure. I think a, a, here's the thing that that I see, at least. Uh, lots of folks, when they sell a business, they think the responsibility to take care of those employees is on the buyer. And I don't find that to be true. I think the responsibility to take care of those employees is the responsibility of me, the business owner or the board or They're the executive selling. team. Just like you have to that growth is important the last few years prior. The other thing that's important is prepare your people. What are you, what are you doing to prepare your people and the culture of the business? Listen, private equity will look at a business and if it might have great financials, if it's got rotten culture or people that don't have the ability to push that business forward, you just lost value, one. And two, if they, if they do pick you up, guess what? They're going to be changing people. So the responsibility is not necessarily only on your buyer. There's, if you really want to take care of your folks, educate them, train them, build a great culture, which only drives business value. And you'll get that value back at the end. And you've done, that's how you do right by staff, right? You prepare ahead of time. Don't put it just on the buyer. Well, those rotten buyers, darn it, they didn't do it. No, what part did you play in that? You had a part in that. Yeah, that's a great point. 
So if I owned a business or I'm leading a business and wanted to chat with you, have you come maybe assess what we're doing, what our capabilities are for growth and growth, whether or not I want to sell out or not, where do they contact you? What's the best way to get up with you? Sure. I like to, uh, as I've done a business for lots of years, I like to look people in the eye and have sit down and have a conversation to find out if uh, they're the type that I want to do business with and if I'm the type that they want to do business with. So best way to reach me is just simply a phone call. We can grab coffee and go from there. 919 seven fifty two fifty three easy peasy lemon squeezy wonderful wow <laughs> greek stuff all, all sorts of things exactly as far as being clear i'm don hadley with applied vision works if you're trying to get a clear vision and roadmap for the future with your organization or if you're struggling that your culture may or may not necessarily fit where you're trying to go or more importantly i believe taking action is important so we as an organization if you need more actions that are clearly different unique to get your culture developed to a higher level and get closer to your vision looking out five years Please let us know. Give us a call or email. Our website's AppliedVisionWorks.com. My uh, personal cell phone, 919-368-9008. And look forward to hearing from you. Hey, guys. It's Craig Chase. Dawn finally let me out of the closet in the back. I wasn't allowed to talk for the last hour. But I did want to take a second to really introduce the next podcast, which segues off of this one with growth and sacrificing as a leader to make that growth happen. So tune in next time to hear that. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by Don Hadley, owner and president of Applied Vision Works. Any questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.